Lord, we do declare that you are beautiful, you're wonderful, you're merciful. Lord, I just want to take just a moment to rest in um, who you are and, and what you do for us. Lord, I declare your goodness. I declare your faithfulness. Lord, you are glorious and you are worthy of all worship, worthy of all honor. Lord, if we never existed, you would still be worthy of all honor just for being you. Lord, I pray that this morning as we sit in your presence, as we sit under your teaching, that you would instruct our hearts, that you would guide our hearts, that you would give us exactly what it is that we need this morning. Um, that your Holy Spirit would, would whisper uh, to our hearts and that we would hear words that are only for, for us, only for each of us, so that you would grow us up to look more like you. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you can go ahead and have a seat, family. Well, welcome again. Um, really excited to be here with you this morning. We are... Um, <clears throat> We're working through a, a four-week series right now called A Deeper Impact, and uh, part of that is highlighting our partnership with uh, Christ Followers for Change, which is a local organization of uh, pastors and churches who uh, basically look to leverage our partnership um, to, to help change lives. And so uh, part of that is, is partnering with different ministries um, and, and making sure they have the funds that they need uh, to do their work. And so... Um, we'll, we'll highlight a little bit more of that a little bit later, but part of this is, is looking at the, the deeper impact that Jesus has in our lives, looking at the deeper impact that Jesus had in the lives of the people that, that were around him, and what we can learn from that. And so each of these four weeks is highlighting a specific miracle of Jesus, and, and what that meant for the people who were observing, for the people who were healed, um, and for the, for the people that, that lives would be changed through just encountering Jesus. And so um, I, I, I do this like all the time, but um, you guys want to hear a, a kid's story before I get started? <laughs> all right, so um, I talk about Lainey a lot. Um, I spend probably a lot more time with her than, than I do Judah because I take her to school and, um, you know, bring her back and we're in the car a lot together. But Judah recently, so he turned three like uh, two weeks ago, which is like also like how did that happen? I don't know. Um, the wild thing, like the child dedication yesterday, they have this concept that um, from, from the time a baby is born until they turn 18 and leave your house, you have 936 weeks with them. And, and that's it's still just kind of like, that's a pretty big number, right? Like that, that seems like a lot. And then I did the math and I was like, well, let's talk to these parents about like even for me. And I was like, I have 612 weeks left with Lainey. Out of 936, 612 weeks left. It's like, man, I did the math. Like, it's a miracle. I did math. Um, but, <laughs> but so here's the deal. Judah has, has this new habit lately that I think is probably just the funniest thing in the world, but is also just really maddening. Um, so we were getting in the car the other day, and it was raining. And he was like, I want to roll my window down. I was like, no, bud. He's like, Why? And I was like, it's raining outside. I don't want to get rain in the car. And he looked at me and he said, it's not raining for me. <laughs> like, it is raining for you. You don't get to decide if it's raining or not, right? And so he'll do that all the time. Like, he'll, he'll run outside and we'll be like, you need a jacket. And he was like, 
uh, I don't want a jacket. And it's like, it's cold outside, but it's not cold for me. And, and this one got me the other day. We were driving by some land, and there were goats on the land. And he looks out, and he's like, oh, look at those animals. And I was like, yeah, those are goats. And he said, those aren't goats for me. <laughs> and I was like, what do you think they are, man? Like, they're goats. A goat is a goat is a goat. I don't know. I mean, in these times, they might identify as something else. But <laughs> here, <laughs> sorry. The stuff that just comes out of my, I'm sorry. Um, so here's the point in this, though, and, and this is what I, like, I, I love to pull these things out as I'm, like, thinking about my kids and, and the teachable moments, right? And, and, and this is what it is for me, and, and this is the heart of where we're getting today, is, is that we can choose to see things as they are, or we can live in our own brain and choose to see things as we want to see them, Right? It's not cold for me. It's not, it's not raining for me. They're not goats for me. And, and how often do we do this with Jesus? And, and this is exactly the heart of, of the message this morning is, is as we're growing and seeing the deeper impact that Jesus has in our hearts, we need to grow in the way that, that we are compassionate towards the world around us. And so we see this modeled time after time after time. Like, honestly, as we were looking at, at this series, like, this, this is a message that we could have picked out any number of stories of, of, of Jesus doing miracles because he was constantly moved with compassion. And it doesn't say this in this story, but, but there are multiple times throughout Jesus' public ministry where he looks at somebody who is in deep need of either salvation or healing, and it says that he was deeply moved with compassion, and, and what's interesting there is the word for compassion here is he had a deep groaning in the pit of his stomach. You, ever, you guys ever feel that way? That like you, you look at something, you're so moved by it that your stomach starts to hurt, you like tense up a little bit, you can't breathe for a few seconds. Like that is the Greek word that, that it's talking about. Jesus was moved with, and I don't want to be like inappropriate here, but he, it says that he was moved with compassion in his bowels. And so this is this what Jesus, is, he's walking around on the earth, and he's looking at all these people who are in deep need of him, deep need of change, deep need of salvation, and he's looking at them with compassion. And I have to wonder sometimes as we look at the disciples, and, and they're bystanders, and they're, they're standing beside and, and watching the things that Jesus is doing, and I just wonder, like, what, what did they feel? You guys ever do that, like as you're reading the scripture, like try to put yourself, like with your sanctified imagination, try to put yourself in there, like as, as a fly on the wall, Right? And I just have to wonder, like, at what point in the journey with Jesus did the disciples say, like, oh, yeah, like, I should care about that? You know, was it, was it quickly or did it take a while? Because, I, like, I look at, like, the disciples and how they responded to things. And I think, like, these were great guys. They, I mean, they, they spread the gospel across the known world, but, like, they were kind of dense sometimes, Right? And you just wonder, like, did they get it one day? Did they not get it another day? Or were they like me? Were they like, you know, wandering around in the desert? Like, Jesus, when are you going to do something? He's like, I just did. Like, did you see that? That was cool. Like, Man, Jesus was like herding cats all the time. And so this, this gets us into the message that I, that I want to uh, get into this morning. It, we're, we're talking about a deeper compassion. And so um, as we talk about this deeper impact, I, I think that it's important for us to, to think through this concept that, that a lot of times in our life, as, as we're experiencing things, we go from kind of an ignorance to pity. 
And so we're ignorant of situations until we know about them, right? There's a, kind of a light bulb moment, and then it's like all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, that's an important thing to know. And then sometimes we might look at other people and we, we might see them with pity. And, and pity, I think, gets a bad rap because it's such a negative word, right? But, but people do a lot of good work through pity sometimes. And, and as long as it's growing, the work of pity can, can be a really powerful thing. Like I might throw money at something if I had money. It, I might throw money at something if I pity someone. But then what ends up happening is, is a deeper heart change that turns my pity into compassion. So the more and more I stretch that muscle, the more and more I flex the muscle of, of seeing a need and meeting a need and caring for people, I start to see through the lens of compassion. As the series goes on, we're going to talk about kind of that transition from, from ignorance to pity to compassion, ultimately to the point that we view ourselves as co-laborers with, with each other and with the, the needs that we're meeting. But, but today we're focusing on this idea of compassion. So I'd love, I heard a lot of Bibles wrestling already when I put it up there. Good for you, working ahead. You guys all get gold stars. But if you're not there yet, I'd love for you to turn to Luke 8. We're going to be reading a, a pretty hefty section here. It's in uh, page 1029 on the Bible in uh, front of you. If you need to use that, um, that's great. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love for you to have that. Take it home with you. It's not stealing. I just told you you could do it. Um, so I would love to invite you to stand for the reading of God's word this morning. All right. Here's what it says. Luke 8. Verse 40, now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him, and there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when, when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declaring in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had immediately been healed. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well, so go in peace. And while he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. When he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her, but he said, do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once, and he directed that something should be given her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. This is the word of the Lord. All right, you guys can sit down. I kept you standing for a little while there. All right. So as we dig into this, this is a lot to unpack, okay? And, and we got a little bit of time. So um, as, as we kind of dig into this, there's something overwhelming about this story to me. And, and, and in the way that Jesus did a lot of these miracles, and, and we, we see a Jesus 
who, it's funny, like sometimes he'll be like hanging out with people and they're like, hey, could you heal this person? He's like, boom, done. And they're like far away, right? But in, in a situation like this, Jesus turned and immediately went with the man. He immediately went with Jairus. He, he heard the need. He heard the compassion. He heard the hurt that, that was happening inside of this man as his only daughter was, was laying there about to be dead. And he was filled with compassion. I love this quote by C.S. Lewis. It says, pain insists upon being attended to. Think about that. If you have a random pain, what starts happening? Pretty soon that's all you can think about, right? I, I don't know if any, anyone else, I've had kidney stones, like a lot of them. Um, and like if you have a kidney stone, that is all you can think of. It, it, it insists on being attended to. That becomes all you think about at, at all times until that thing is gone, right? It's like, I got to do something for this. Like, I got to carve out my kidney or, I mean, some, something has got to happen here. Pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our consciences, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. I love that so much. He whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our consciences, but shouts in our pains. And this is exactly what Jesus is doing here. He's looking at the pain of the world, and he's answering. He's, he's, he's screaming this resounding, yes, this man runs up to him. Other translation says, falls at his feet, grasping at his ankles, begging Jesus to do something. And like, I'm going to be honest, like, you guys, you guys know, I, I've spoken about my kids a lot. As I read through this and I think about my babies, if there was a situation like this, what wouldn't I do to see my baby better, right? So this man with nowhere else to turn, and, and what, what's interesting here is Jesus had just come back from, from across the sea. He was, he was doing other ministry. We see right before this that, that he casts out the demons into the pigs. That's a cool story. You should read it later. Um, but he come back across the sea for such a time as this that, that he gets there and he's immediately surrounded by all of these people who are waiting for him. And like, I, I can just imagine like anywhere Jesus went, people had needs. They, they had stuff that they needed for him to heal, for him to fix, for him to do. And, and, and this man is just waiting for the opportunity. I, I can just imagine. And, and like, again, this is my imagination, but like him, could, could you imagine he's in town? He's like, I heard Jesus is coming back. Is he coming back? I've heard that he heals people. Is he coming back? Is he on his way back yet? I need to go find him. And, and then when he hears that the ship is crossing back over, man, uh, the, 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 the jubilation, it's like he's coming back. Maybe he can just do something. You don't understand. My daughter is dying. Like, I, I need a touch from Jesus. And all of a sudden falls on his feet, grasps his ankles, and Jesus is moved with compassion and says, take me there. Let's go. Like, do you, do you see? Jesus is moved by compassion immediately. And like, you have to understand, like in the midst of this, the disciples are watching this, right? They're, they're right there alongside of him, and they've seen the miracles that he's done, and they see his response in this situation. And so all of a sudden, Jesus is on the way there, and, and we get this whole other story within a story that happens here. And this woman, who has an issue of blood, who has had it for 12 years, do you remember how old the daughter was? 12. Hmm. Interesting, right? Maybe you should do a study on that. 
Woman with an issue of blood for 12 years. She spent everything she has on, on trying to get this fixed. And, and it goes back to that same thing. Our pain insists upon being attended to. She's destitute. She's broke. She's poor. She has nothing else in this world. It literally says she spent everything and no one can heal her. Couldn't be healed by anyone. She came up behind him. And, and like, just think about the faith of this woman, right? Like, I, I don't want to get in Jesus' face. I, I don't want like a big public display. You know why? Because an issue like that, she was unclean. Like, it's in the culture, right? Is, is anybody who, who is bleeding, anybody who has blood, like you're unclean, you're ceremonially unclean, and you can't be touched by someone else without them becoming unclean also. And so can you, can you put yourself in the mind of this lady who's thinking like, this is my only hope. Just like Jairus running to Jesus, this lady, she's thinking, this is my only hope. And here I am, a woman, and here I am dripping blood, and I am unclean, and, and this master will not touch me because I'll make him unclean. So what does she do? She sneaks behind him and just grabs a little tassel, and immediately... Jesus said, whoa, someone touched me. And well, I love like the disciples here. We talked about how boneheaded they are, right? And he's like, of course they did. <laughs> They're all around you, man. <laughs> I mean, like when, when we look at the Greek word for like being surrounded here, it, it, it talks about a throng of people, right? Like he's being jostled and bustled around. People, I, I can just imagine it, right? They're, they're just all around him looking for something from him, listening for a word from him. And he's, I, like, he's being bumped around. If you've ever been to a concert, like in a mosh pit, that's how I imagine it. Like Jesus is crowd surfing. <laughs> and all of a sudden his little tassel on the edge of his garment is touched. And he says, I felt something. And you know, the wild thing is like this woman, I think like she probably could have snuck off right then and there, right? But Jesus sought her out. He pursued her. He knew her heart. He knew her need. And in the midst of this, he, he pursued her and he said, somebody touched me and I need to find out what it was. He turned around and he loved her. And the, the beautiful thing in the midst of this is like in all of her issues, like touching the hem of his garment healed her immediately, and then Jesus turned around to acknowledge the work that had been done. So then we see, moving forward, in the meantime, as Jesus is, I'm sorry, this is just a little flyby. We're going to come back and hit some of these points in just a minute. In the meantime, an attendant from, from Jairus' house comes up and said, it's too late, man. She's dead. Don't trouble Jesus anymore. He's got important things to attend to. Leave him alone. I don't want to be like extra emotional here, but can you imagine, can you imagine waiting and waiting and waiting for Jesus to return, getting the glimpse of hope, falling down at his feet and him saying, let's go, let's take care of this. And then all of a sudden, if this woman had not taken up this time, my daughter might be, could you imagine the bitterness some of us would feel about that? Like in that moment, like, ugh. Jesus, if you would just listen to me, if you'd just come, 
all you other people around him, can't you see that my daughter's dying? Why are you, why are you jostling around? Why, why are you throwing, this is so important. It's the most important thing in my life and now he's not gonna make it. But I love like Jesus looks at him and, and, and tells him like, no, hang on. I'm still on my way to your house. And he goes in and he heals her and, and like, it, it's crazy. Like people still doubting him in the house, right? This guy, what's he doing? She's dead, go away. Like, oh, hold on. And he tells them that she's just sleeping. Get her up. And so through like through this whole story, we see like just, just these moments of deep compassion from Jesus, from the Savior who, who is who is pouring his life and his light out into the world around him. And so I, what I want us to look at for the rest of our time together is the impact that Jesus had in this moment, okay? And so first and foremost is he modeled compassion. And in our lives, Jesus models compassion. Like, I love to tell people when I talk about Jesus, Jesus is the most life-giving person I know. What do you mean by that? Well, like, look, at, look at who he is and what he's done in my life. And this is where it gets back to the gospel. We talk about this often, but the gospel is this, that in my worst, in, in, in the spot of my sin, in the spot of my brokenness, where I deserve to die because of my sins, because my sins separated me from a, a holy and perfect God, he sent Jesus, fully God and fully man, to the earth to live a perfect life and to die on the cross, to shed his blood, so that when God looks at me, he sees Jesus instead of me. So that he calls me his son. He calls you his son or his daughter so that I have hope for tomorrow, but I also have a lot of stinking hope for today. Right? And that's, that's the gospel. That, that's, that's this whole thing is Jesus is looking at us in all of our brokenness and all of the yuck and all of the things that, that we just can't get past. And he's constantly, constantly pursuing us and saying, you're better than this. I believe in you. I, I've given you everything that you need to beat this thing. I love you. I'm going to walk beside you. I'm going to do everything that I can to, to give you new light and new life. He's so compassionate towards us that, that every time we mess up, every time we sin, every time we treat somebody the way that we shouldn't, every time we have those thoughts that we just can't get past, he's just sitting there and saying, I died for this. I died for it. You have new life in me. And he does that through the voice of his Holy Spirit, who's our counselor. And, and he's the one that comes alongside of us and, and gives us what we need in our life to live in power and to defeat the sin that, that, that tangles with our hearts. He's so compassionate towards us. He does not judge us according to what we've done, but according to what he's done. He's a voice of compassion. We see that throughout this whole story that, that right, he, he was right there when people needed him. I've struggled with that question a little bit. Why didn't, like, did, there were so many people that Jesus could have healed. He, like, as powerful as he was, he probably could have just, for that whole village, just been like, boom, everything's healed, Right? But I, I think the beauty of this is it models situations for us, okay? Because there's a lot of us. There's probably a lot of you in this place that have been praying for something for so long. And you haven't seen the answer yet. You've been, you've been wrapped around Jesus' feet saying, just if you could come quick, like I've got this thing and I need your help. And, and to me, if Jesus had just like, boom, everyone in the village is healed, that doesn't teach us the lessons that our heart needs to learn, that Jesus is still compassionate even in the waiting, was that? It's terrible. It's hard to be in the waiting, to be in that season. Like, look at, look at the woman with the issue of blood. Twelve 
years being a pariah, being an outcast, being someone that, that nobody wanted to have anything to do with. And, and she's funneling all of her life savings to this doctor. And he's just saying, like, I got nothing for you, man. How many people I've talked to that have said, I've gone to the doctor for this over and over, and I can't get a stinking diagnosis. And Jesus is compassionate even in the waiting, even in the, in, in the unanswered. And even if you have not been healed yet, Jesus' heart is for you, and he wants you to reach out to him even in the midst of those things because the trials of this life, even if we can't explain them, even if we don't understand them, even if they're the worst things that we've ever gone through, are meant to sanctify us and to grow us deeper and to understand that God is still good no matter what we're walking through. And it's a great mystery. And like a lot of people will point to that and be like, well, they're suffering in the world, God's not good. No, he's good, and he allows us the consequences of the actions of sin. And I'm not saying that you're walking through what you're walking through because you sinned. That's, that's not true either. But what I'm saying is that when sin entered the world, it broke the dam open for, for sin and brokenness to be a part of this natural world. And that's why people suffer. But God is steadfast and faithful even in the midst of it. And he has a plan for your life. He has a plan for your suffering. He has a plan for your sorrow. He models compassion in our lives. So if we'll just listen to him whisper. The second point here, Jesus' impact. First, he models compassion. Second, he makes the unclean clean. And this is, this is what I love about this story. Like as you dig into the subtext, right? Exactly what I said earlier. She was unclean. She was not fit to touch anyone. She would make anyone she touched unclean. Like literally, if she went and touched any other priest, they would have to go and ceremonially wash before they could go about their business, right? But she touched Jesus. And Jesus doesn't get made unclean. He's made clean. He makes her clean, right? He is the cleanliness that, that pours out into all of our sickness. It's like in the midst of that, like I, I, I love, I love, love the imagery of like, you know, our sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. There's nothing else that can do that. But, but Jesus' blood he looked at this lady who was in her suffering and said, not only has your faith made you well, but you're clean. But can you imagine the feelings she must have been feeling in that moment? Twelve years suffering with, with this issue. And all of a sudden in one breath, in one reach, in one touch, she's clean and she's healed. And it's the same for our hearts. Like, look at, look at the duality here, right? Because of our sin, we deserve death. But because of Jesus' death, we're made whole. Like, that interplay, it's amazing. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense, but it makes sense in God's economy, right? That, that, we, that our hearts, that, that even the idol factories that we are, even the, the, the sin that, that we're so easily entangled by, that when we lay that before the feet of Jesus, it becomes sanctified. It becomes clean. He, he takes those things away and gives us a new heart. And like, here, here's the thing in the midst of it. I think so many of us like give up hope so easily. It's like, I will never beat this thing. I'm, I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna be over this. And, and you know what? We will deal with the effects of sin until Jesus comes back. But he has given us every gift that we need and every touch from him that we need to take all the dirty things in our life and make them clean in his eyes. 
So not only does he model compassion, but he personally, himself, of his own volition, makes the unclean clean again. The third way that he makes a deeper impact in this story is he makes the dead alive. <laughs> what I love about this story is like, I, I can see myself in Jairus, right? Um, it's like, man, if you had just moved faster, Jesus, if, if, you, if you hadn't taken so long in that boat, if you, I mean, in, there, there's any number of ways that we like to say that sometimes. If, if we had just, if you had just, if I had, ah, that's my life. I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. If they had just, <laughs> last week, it was oh, ugh, rough. Jesus, man, if, if, if you hadn't stopped and talked to her, my daughter would be alive, right? But I love, like, while he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, your daughter's dead, do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him. I love this. Do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. I sense, I don't know, I, I sense there's some people in here that, that are experiencing... Maybe not, not a physical death, that, uh, maybe that too, but, but a death of a dream, or the death of faith, or the death of hope. There's probably some marriages in here where it's like, man, I, like I don't have it in me anymore. And all those hopes and dreams that you felt over all those years, you, you're just like, man, I got to hang up the towel. There's probably some people in here who had big dreams for their life and, and, and life has handed them different situations and you're experiencing a death. There might be somebody in here who um, their family member might have told you that news that you just didn't want to hear about their lifestyle or about a diagnosis or, or any of those things and you're experiencing a death in your heart. Can these words wash over us? Can we allow them to do that? Can we, can we just sit Jesus declaring to Jairus and to you. Do not fear. Only believe and you will be well. All things will be well. Sometimes in the midst of the darkness, that's hard to hang on to, right? I, I think the difference here is like he had seen Jesus do miracles. Like he literally just saw one in front of his eyes. A lady touched his clothes and got healed. Like, that's pretty awesome. He had Jesus in the flesh saying, like, I'm still walking to your house, man. Come on, let's go. For us sometimes, like, we have Jesus in our hearts. We have his spirit. But, like, I, I'm not wrapping my arm around him right now, right? And that's the hard thing in, in our situations is like if we had Jesus just taking us by the hands and dragging us along and saying, come on, still got something for you, we'd be like, okay, cool, right? Some of us who can't see him, can't actually hear his voice, can't, I mean, it takes a lot of faith. You know, the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. 
It's like in the midst of this, like, can we, can we find a way to let these words wash over us? Can we find a way in the darkest of our situations, in the death of our dreams, in the death of our hopes, in the death of our expectations, in the death of, uh, of our, our dreams for our health and for our families and for all of these things, can we let these words wash over us that, that Jesus is with us and it will be well? He's redeeming all things. He's making all things new. I think we need that in our hearts a little bit, right? What is compassion that Jesus modeled for, for, for his followers? And, and so this is, this is a situation that I want us to find ourselves in. We're going to wrap this up. I want to give us just a few things to think through, okay? A little bit of application. So our next steps. Number one, I, I think we're, wherever we're at in this body, you know, we can find ourselves in different places. That's why I love that we say helping people take a step closer to Jesus because we all need one next step, Right? We're on a journey and, and it's the next step. So you might be in a place where, where you're experiencing that, the death of a dream, the death of a loved one, the death of hope. Can I ask you, like, maybe your next step would be to be just really brutally honest with Jesus. Like, I look at each of these people in the story whose lives were changed, and it started with honesty, right? Jesus, I need you to come. My daughter is dying. Doesn't get much more honest than that. For some of us, like it'd be like, oh, I don't know what else to do. But he's like, no, like there's hope. For 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 the woman with the issue of blood, it took her being honest and saying, like, I even if I'm unclean, even if I am seen in this way by the people around me, this is something I have to do. It takes being honest. And so wherever you're at in your situation, maybe you've been screaming to Jesus for all this time, but like be brutally honest. He can take it. That's the thing, like, I, I understand and I'm, I believe in, in being reverent towards God. I, so don't take this as that. But, but sometimes, like, I, I really think there's a place where you can just be like, God, this is hard. And I don't understand what you're doing. And I don't know how much more of this I can take. And I need you to show up. And I think, like, I mean, think about that quote. Pain demands attention. Right? And Jesus is attentive to our pains. So it might not always look the way we think it's going to look, but he's, he will be there holding our hand, showing us compassionate care. So if you're in a place where, where you're in desperate need, where, where you don't know where the light's coming from, I just encourage you, be really honest with Jesus. Be really honest with him and tell him exactly what is wrong. He can handle it, right? And stay on it. Keep telling him. Keep asking Keep fighting for the solution. Keep coming back to him because that's what builds our faith is perseverance. <laughs> the second step here is I, I want you to find somebody who will support you. Like one of the biggest lies that, that we believe in our entire life is that we have to do this thing alone or that we're the only person who's ever struggled with this or that if they see what we're really like on, it, on the inside, they're gonna run. Can I tell you like I... I have been blown away what I've seen in this body in the last year. Like, I, I think we've gotten to a point of deeper vulnerability. I think we've gotten to a point of deeper care and compassion. And I think like part of it's like through the emotionally healthy spirituality like work that we did together. But like, man, I, I, I'm amazed at, at, at people just sharing things that, that 
I think, would have been cooped up four years ago, right? Like, if you had been walking through that four years ago, you wouldn't have said a word to this about anybody. It's because you're Dutch. (laughs) Kidding. I'm part Dutch. Whatever. Um, But here's what it is. I I think that there's this beauty and vulnerability that, that we have hit maybe a critical mass as a church where we realize, you know what? None of us have it together anyway. We're all messed up. We're all trying to figure it out. Yours might look different than mine, but, but we can wrap our arms around each other and say, like, let's figure it out together. So here's the situation. You might be in the place where you just need to tell Jesus over and over and over again, but you also might be in a place where you need to tell somebody else, and you might need to stop depending on your own strength and depend on the strength of someone else. You're like, man, I don't want to be a burden. Do it. Because the Bible has a whole lot of one another's all through the New Testament about what we should be doing for one another. And we're all walking through something, right? And one of those is to bear one another's burdens. I can't bear your burdens if I don't know what they are. You can't bear my burdens if, if you don't know what they are. Right? So, and I know that takes a big stretch of vulnerability, but what, what will it take for us to be wrapped up in community, being really, really honest with each other about our hurts and our pains and the things that we're hoping for, the, the death inside of us? that we're looking for new life in. Tell it to Jesus. Find others who support you. And this, this is so big. In your healing, seek to help others. Model, like take Jesus' model of compassion and, and pour that out in the world like you will never run out of this stuff. What does it look like to be a healer? I, I talked about this in first step. It, it clicked in my head so real for probably one of the first times ever in my life, okay? I grew up... Like, I was a pretty unique kid. I mean, a lot of you are like, yeah, you're a pretty unique adult, too. <laughs> I, I was a really unique kid. And I've told you a little bit about some of my story at different times, about times that I was made to feel lesser. Times that I was made to feel like the giftings that God give, had given me were hindrances. That I would never be good enough. That, that I would never fit in. Um, like, and and it, it rocked me to my core all, like, through my, through my schooling. And, like, part of that... Um, like, we moved a, a decent a, a bit, which, like, at the time, I didn't think much about it. But as I processed later, I'm like, yeah, I, like, I, I had friends, but I never really felt like I really fit in until I found the church. Um, and, and I played instruments, and so I had a place that I was needed, and I felt important. And, like, really, probably a lot of my early faith was very much, like, just a place of acceptance. It's like, I, I don't know much about Jesus, but I know they want me here, you know? But I've realized, like, through, through a lot of these thoughts that, like, the, the deeper thing inside of me has become that I felt so much of that pain and so much of that shame and so much of the burden of being different and, and all those things that, that it has become, like, my life's desire to be a helper, to help others, because I don't want them to walk through the same things, you know? And, and there are things that, that break my heart. And, and so my encouragement, like, in the midst of, of these things is, is take what's broken and leverage it for healing others. Right? Can you imagine? Like, I mean, I, I, there's sometimes I so wish that, that we got another paragraph. And it's, you know, like at the end of a movie, sometimes you get the words across the screen, like the epilogue, and it's like, and then Johnny went on to live a happy life and marry his high school sweetheart. But to me, like, I'm like, can we get an epilogue for Jairus? What, what did that do in that man's life? Can we get an epilogue for the woman with the issue of blood? Maybe they would tell, her, tell us her name. But like, 
what, what spark did that create in the world around them? Right? Did, they, did they turn around and become healers? Did they turn around and, and be, become people who spoke life into other people or, or taught them what they needed to know about Jesus? I mean, I don't know, but I wish I knew, and one day we'll find out. But, but here's the thing is, is you have the opportunity to see that in your life now. So whatever the death is, as Jesus is making that more alive, you have an opportunity to turn around and, and spread healing like confetti. You know, like glitter, confetti, like that stuff never gets out of anywhere. Throw that healing around like confetti, man. Change people's lives with it. And, and that's the beauty is, is sometimes we're the broken healers, right? Like I don't got it figured out, but I know what hope looks like. And we can, we can be in this together. And so I encourage you is like be compassion for other people. Be Jesus with skin on in the world around you. Be the, the hope and the life and the change in the world around you. This life is so short, man. Like, I, I, I learned that through all the marbles, right? I already lost, like, hundreds of weeks. What are we doing with this one life that Jesus has given us? And who will be healed because of your presence in their life? Let's model after Jesus and do the things that Jesus did. Amen? All right, cool. We're going to take some time to, to reflect on that as we sing again. So I want to encourage you, um, let's, let's stand up. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going we're gonna to worship Jesus through song. Heavenly Father, I pray that um, you would help us to be <laughs> wounded healers. <laughs> I, I love that, that phrase. Um, oh, man. I, I just pray that even as we're walking through the things that we're walking through, that, that we would see other people with compassion, that we would pour it out, that we would follow Jesus' model of, of being compassionate people, pointing people towards the answers that, that they need. Um, man, I just pray that, that we would have your spirit and that we would move in your spirit and that, um, Lord, that above all else, that we would, we would glorify you in the waiting and glorify you in the knowing. Um, you are holy, you are wonderful, and we praise you. I pray that um, you would just convict our hearts of what we need to do next. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>